0: Hey everyone, it's your host Richie Burke and welcome back to this episode of the Go Getters. We've got a we've got a great episode for you today. We have three pretty um, pretty iconic, well-known Milwaukee retail, Milwaukee-based retail company CEOs that are coming on. So we've got Darren Horndash from Wisconsin Vision, Ted Balasteri, the co-owner of Sendex, and then Dr. Brian Dill from the chiropractic company all have amazing stories of adapting to COVID and what they've done. You get a, the inside of a grocery store chain, a very prominent grocery store chain. They've had to adjust quite a bit. They've actually seen increased demand. Then you've got you know the chiropractic company where people were scared to come in after COVID hit and now they're finally starting to see an uptick, which was good to hear. But just, I mean, Dr. Brian goes deep on how he had to, you know, furlough employees right away and how it was, you know, a breakdown and getting the PPP loan last minute things like that. Darren from Wisconsin Vision had a similar story on how how they how they reacted and what they've done to make sure they're keeping everyone safe and still providing an experience and um you know, we talked about the PPP loan as well as the stimulus packages getting people to, to work when they can make a bunch of money sitting at home right now. And it's just, there's it three very different retail perspectives. Um, all of them were great to have on the show. So, really excited to dive in. Uh, before we dive in, I want to thank you guys for listening. Thanks again. We hit the 10,000 download mark last month. We want to. Continue beating that every month. So, if you would like to help us out, just make sure to pause for 30 seconds and write a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. That's what helps us get the show out. Also, real quick, if you are interested in starting a podcast or growing your current show, we put on this podcasting for brands masterclass where I went over the state of audio and podcast in 2020, how to monetize a podcast without a big following and our top eight tips to use podcasting to market your business, to improve your marketing, whether it's direct response, marketing, branding, just some really good insight on that. And we got a good response. We had 62 people on. We raised over $1,300 for charity. So we're doing another round on May 26th. And if you are interested just head to podcast.ggmm.io. Again, if you're interested in starting a podcast or growing your current show, especially for your brand, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Just head to podcast.ggmm.io. And thank you again for your support. We will dive in to today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Go-Getters podcast. Today, we're joined by Three CEOs of very well-known Milwaukee-based retail companies from different industries, all in that 17 to 40 location range. And we're going to deep dive into what they've been going through with COVID. Obviously, they've had to adapt, adjust, change with everything going on. And they've all been at the helm of these companies for you know, I I believe uh, a number of decades, each of them. So we're going to get to dive a little deeper than usual in these past COVID episodes to really find out how they've been able to grow these businesses and brands into what they are over the year. And joining us today, we have Darren Horndash, CEO of Wisconsin Vision Ted Ballesteri, co-owner of Sendex. It's a family business. He co-owns with his two brothers and sisters, and it's been in the family since 1926. And we've got Dr. Brian Jarendale, who is the founder and CEO of the Chiropractic Company. So thank you guys for joining us today.
1: You're welcome. good to be here.
0: Pleasure. So our first guest is going to be Darren Horndash um, from Wisconsin Vision, CEO of Wisconsin Vision, which was founded in 1978, now has 38 retail locations in Wisconsin, or 38 retail locations total in, between Wisconsin, Illinois, and Indiana. He's been the president and CEO for the last 20 years prior to Wisconsin Vision. Darren was the COO at HealthStar, Inc., a publicly traded company. Prior to that CEO of the Wisconsin Health Fund, and over his you know twenty years at the helm, he's grown this company significantly despite just being in the digital age so i'm I'm excited to get in to how they've been a successful retailer during this time. closed temporarily, but they're back open they've been back open for essential services. Darren, thank you for joining us you're welcome, my pleasure so Darren. Walk me through. What was your initial reaction when this all hit back in mid March?
2: I would say sheer panic. Uh, you know, it was an avalanche that we had. We had. A, we're trying to hold off the slide. Uh, part of it was we are considered essential services, and, and if you look at the uh, safer at home orders, uh, eye care services, including glasses and contact lenses, are specifically called out as essential services. However the CDC and the American Optometric Association came back and, and and really posed the idea that essential services are not routine eye exams. Uh, now, what's interesting is 95% of our business is routine eye exams, but the first essential service is blurry vision, which is 95% of our chief complaints when people come into our practices. So really it was trying to manage uh, the financial side of the business. Uh, we did furlough our staff for a period of time. Um, it, was, it was putting our applications in for the PPP uh, assistance uh, so that we could unfurl our staff. But most importantly was trying to figure out how do we create a safe environment uh, for both our staff as well as our um, uh, patients and cons- customers coming into our locations. And as everybody knows, trying to find masks, trying to find uh, uh, even shields for some of the equipment that we use in the doctor's lane uh, breath shields out on the floor, uh, all of that had to come together. And it took us and, and a core group of us, um, a, a number of weeks to make that happen. Uh, my office, I'm probably looking at, you know, stacks and boxes of masks because it's almost like, you know, gold. Um, and, and we want to make sure we parse those out in, in the appropriate fashion. But again, uh, as of Monday, uh, with the safer at home orders kind of being changed a little bit, uh, being relaxed, um, we are planning to open for, eye exams. So we're no longer using the terminology essential and not essential. Uh, We would like people to know that we're going to manage that business in a safe way, uh, that we are going to ask that they wear protective face gear as they enter our space or we'll provide one to them. Uh, We're going to take their temperatures. We're going to ask them some basic vetting questions before they enter the premises. And hopefully we did that as they made their appointment for an exam. Uh, But we are open for eye exams now. We're open to sell glasses. Uh, and we're going to do that again as efficiently by spacing people out, by not having uh, typically in a in a given day we're booking between eighteen and twenty two patients in a in a in a routine day. Uh, we're going to space that out a little bit further, um, so that we can create the social distancing that's required.
0: Yeah, and and Darren, I'm curious to hear from you since you have a number of locations in Milwaukee County, then you have locations in Illinois, Indiana, and. We're recording this for those of you who are listening. It is Thursday afternoon. Last night on Wednesday, we got word that the state Supreme Court lifted the stay in place order. Obviously, it's still taking effect in Milwaukee County. Are you rolling out the same guidelines across the board to your locations? Or are you kind of monitoring it on a county by county basis on what you can do?
2: Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I think that it was our plan all along to begin on the 18th of May to open up for eye exams. Um, it, it, we were again, uh, called out specifically in all three states, uh, it was almost identical language in the safer at home orders uh, where eye exams are concerned. And keep in mind, part of the reason for us to open is eyeglasses are considered a PPE. Uh, people that have broken glasses that needed their contact lens, we were, we were filling those with a small group of us here as we could along with our with our professional relations director who was assisting with some of the vetting on the prescriptions, uh, but we were we were filling those and fulfilling those orders as we could, and if the consumer demand became such that we were prepared to open regardless, uh, and we had that right uh, based on the safer at home orders
0: yeah and uh Darren, going back to what you said regarding the furloughing employees and the PPP loan process. How, how stressful was it for someone like you, and I'll probably ask all of you the same question, at, at the helm of a company, you've never had to do anything like this before. All of a sudden, you have need to furlough employees and then you're, every, everything happens so fast with the PPP. Were you guys able to secure that or what, what was that like?
2: Yeah, great question. And, and listen, there's so many acronyms we've learned since this process.
0: Yeah, no, it's hard to keep track. <laughs> And
2: when we initially, you know, fortunately, we have a 20-year relationship with our banking uh, entity, uh, BMO Harrison, and the banker uh, that we we work with. So he assisted walking our application through, providing us some advanced notice of what we had to hunt and gather. Um, and it's really more on the backside when we go for forgiveness, right? It's not the application itself, the adaptations that we did to say that it was detrimental to our business because we literally closed our doors um, and income, the, the income stream stopped. Um, were were the easy part uh it was it's everything else that we have to provide on the backside when it comes to the forgiveness side of the loan um but it was very stressful we literally uh got word that our application was approved and on friday night this is not uh, friday night at 10:30 i didn't even know banks did deposits at 10:30 at night it was friday night on at 10:30 at, uh, at night and on sunday morning we unfurloughed all of our staff so all day Saturday, we worked towards that goal. On Sunday, we already had our plans in place with our core group to make sure that on Monday morning, uh, we started people back into the locations again, safely. We had everything in the locations ready to roll. We brought back our district managers a week sooner than that to make sure that all of that was there ready for our teams when they enter the premises and that we had not only, again, learning what Zoom was over this period of time, learning what, you know, how to, how to manage the best way to manage conference calls with our teams. Uh, given the fact that they weren't even in our locations, how do we reach out to people? Those are all, uh, obstacles that we had to overcome. And I will say with the, with the small core group of people we have, it was, uh, we made it happen. You know, my swim coach once told me it made the impossible possible.
0: Yeah, and how, how have the employees reacted coming into work? Have they all been fine for the most part? It seems like you've set up a pretty safe environment over there. Has there been any any pushback? I know with our team, obviously a lot of what we do is online, so we've been most people have been able to work from home the entire time. But you're still, you know, gathering people together.
2: Yeah, a great question. Again, that's why we eased into it. Uh, yeah. we're kind of AB shifts initially. Uh we wanted people to become comfortable with the with, with the new procedures that we had put into place. We had our doors locked for the initial two weeks that uh, we first opened uh beginning Monday the 18th. The doors will be unlocked, uh but they've been all coached and 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 we've we've tried to provide them again a roadmap on how the best way is to open. I would say the biggest, uh we had a couple of big obstacles. Number one is with childcare. Um, you know, a lot of working parents, uh child care situation is not all open, schools are closed. You know, how am I going to both uh, virtually teach my child and be home for them, um, as well as return back to to my employment? And we wanted to give that period of time as well to our teams to, to get used to that and figure out what their alternatives are. Um, so that was a big challenge. I would say another big challenge is quite honestly, you know, some of the stimulus funding that was available um, with unemployment and the perception yeah. of uh, the additional $600 and up to $900 a week. Oh my goodness, I'm almost better off staying home. Um, and, and then again, it was also the, the factor, and, and these are the real things, and we, we had to appreciate every conversation that came our way. Um, it, it, it was also just the fear of, what is COVID? You know, it, you see all sides of the spectrum on this, from, from a very conservative approach to a very liberal approach. We've had people uh, try to enter our premises, it's my constitutional right not to wear a mask. And we're so we're trying to deal with all that. Yeah. So it's very every day. It's very fluid for the last eight weeks. There's there are new things that approach our, our 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 direction.
0: Yeah, it's also fascinating, all unprecedented too. It's tough to navigate. But what you said about the all the stimulus funding too, it's it's tough as a small business owner as well when you when your employees some of them could make just as much sitting at home. I know I know a decent amount of people who are making good money not doing anything right now? And what, what incentive do they have? Before I let you off, I do want to dive in because you've managed to build a, a very successful retail business in this age of Amazon when people are in Warby Parker, other online retailers are sprouting up. What has made you guys successful with all that going on in the market?
2: Well, we've built our business both organically. Um, you know, A lot of our marketing has been grassroots... Uh, all along, uh, as we've built our business, we we actually have salespeople on our. We do a lot of safety eyewear, so there's a lot of different methodologies to our, to our business. It's not strictly primary care, optical retail, um, but in the age, in this digital age, as we see the Warby Parker's and even one eight hundred contact lenses now uh offering eyeglass lenses and the six ninety five. It, it really is the value proposition that we need to bring to the table. What is the, the the training that our teams have, the fact that all of our product is made right here in New Berlin, Wisconsin. All of our lenses are fabricated here. We're using state of the art products. Zeiss is our is a great partner of ours on, on our spectacle lens side. Um, it is some of the other services that we bring and the talent of our of our doctors and team. But don't uh, you know I'm not going to kid you we we're, we're looking at things like telemedicine and telehealth, and how do we engage that with our teams? Uh, how do we do that so that we could open up in, in, in smaller communities where it wouldn't necessarily sustain a full time doctor and a full team? How do we do this and, and, and take our business in a different direction? Uh, we put together our own online eyewear product um, and that's already on our website. It got a lot of hits while during this period of time. Uh, we have virtual try-on. We're, we're, you know, we're heading down those paths to look at how do we integrate both of the best of both worlds into our practice environments.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Darren, we'll end on that. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing what you guys have been going through and more of your story. Appreciate your time. Appreciate it. All right. Next, we have Ted Ballisteri, co-owner of Sendex. Ted, very excited to talk to you. So Sendex is coming up on... A hundred years in business, they opened their first store in Shorewood back in 1926, now have 17 locations in the Milwaukee area, along with co-owning Sundix. Ted serves on several charitable civic and industry boards, including recently finishing a nine-year term with Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. That included two years as the board chair. And Sendex has been in the news quite a bit. Obviously, grocery stores are a very essential business. They were quick to install plexiglass um, to reserve time for at-risk shoppers. And just uh, <laughs> I'm excited to dive in, Ted. Thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, Thank you for having me.
0: So, Ted, we'll, uh, we'll take it from the top. What was your initial reaction as a grocery store chain owner when all of this first hit in mid-March?
1: You know, it's, it was kind of interesting because you, you could kind of see this coming, but I don't know that we could quite uh, anticipate the dramatic change that would occur just almost overnight. And um, we're probably a little bit different than a lot of businesses in that uh, for a lot of businesses, were forced to shut down. Uh, we're an essential business. And uh, because of m- many of the media reports, etc., there was a huge stock up phase where customers were just coming in and buying things. And of course, you know, of the famous ones like toilet paper and uh, some of the cleaning, uh, you know, the, the sanitizing wipes and things like that. Uh, but there were other things that uh, people were after. Uh, people are doing a lot of cooking at home now. So a lot of uh, uh, buying of flour and other things to bake goods. One of the hardest items to get right lately has been yeast um a lot of people have been uh i think getting out those old bread um machines and and baking at home so um but just to kind of put it in perspective uh with the stay at home order and um really the closure of uh all food service um it really dramatically changed our business uh the average consumer out there spends about half of their food dollars in food service and the other half in grocery and almost overnight that was changed to almost you know ninety percent of it being borne by grocery, and um, so that just for us, that first uh, week, ten days, two weeks was just trying to keep our stores in stock, trying to keep our customers and our employees safe, and just try to meet the demand. Um, and uh, I don't think many of us got a lot of sleep that <laughs> those first couple of weeks. Yeah. Right after that, it really changed to a focus on you know, and and of course this is ongoing. But safety, safety for our customers, uh, safety for our employees, and we implemented a number of measures. Uh, you talked about a couple of them. Uh, you know, the senior hour from seven to eight in the Mount morning uh, each day is reserved for senior and and, and at risk individuals. Uh, we picked that time because that's after. During the night, we have a third party service come down and do a deep clean of all our facilities. Uh, Plus, we have our own team that comes in and they do an enhanced cleaning of high touch areas every night in our stores. So, that first hour in the morning is when the environment in the store is the most pristine. And, um, you know, we've been trying to follow uh, other guidelines put out by health departments, and we're very fortunate that. Um, on staff, we have a food safety expert uh, who also happens to be a public health expert, and she's been really instrumental in helping us navigate all the changing guidance and the rules that are being uh, put out there by um, the various government bodies to keep our employees and our customers safe.
0: Yeah, going back to one of your earlier comments. Hey, everyone, when it's, it's your host, Richie uh, Burke, and I said am you sure could kind of that you will have coming. a big year in 2020. You also know that people are busy, it's a cluttered market and it can be tough to stand out and engage your employees, customers and target audience. Over the last year, we've been very lucky to do a lot of great work for brands like Komatsu, Thrivent Financial, Trek Bicycle, Collier's International, First Federal Bank, Marquette, as well as a number of small to mid-sized local businesses, really helping them grow and communicate better through our work like podcasting, video production, web design, and marketing automation. So if you're looking to have a big year in 2020 and you're interested in seeing how we can potentially help you, just shoot me an email. Richie at ggmm.io, R-I-C-H-I-E at ggmm.io, or just visit our website, ggm.io. We have a simple form you can fill out on the site. And thanks again for tuning into the Go-Getters podcast. We really appreciate your support. But you didn't think it would be anything like this. Did you... Personally, I kind of remember the timeline almost when the NBA shut down that night. And then I think Trump went on Twitter and that, that was like the exact moment that I started getting a rush of anxiety as a business owner of like, holy shit, this is actually happening. This is, this is actually real. When, when did it, when did it hit for you guys? Cause no businesses were closed before that. And then that, you know, the orders started coming out. I think that was on a Tuesday night or something the rest of the week. When, when did it really hit for you guys? And what kind of messaging were you sending to your employees when all this is going on and you still need them to come to work and, and produce and obviously perform at a high level because your demand is up?
1: Yeah, you're. I think you're absolutely right. When the president got on and um, talked about the that that evening, and I think I want to say it might have been a Thursday, Wednesday. Or th- I think maybe it was a Wednesday. Maybe,
0: maybe it was. He did him getting on and talking did not make me feel much better either. <laughs> I remember that I was sucked into Twitter for about two hours after it, just trying to figure out what was going on.
1: Well, to, to give you an example, uh, an idea. Um, I was supposed to be attending, uh, as a, on Sunday, uh, after he spoke, I was supposed to be attending an industry event. And, uh, the Monday before our team, uh, that runs the event, um, took a poll and we all said, yes, we need to have the event. And it was going to be in Orlando, Florida. Well, after this president spoke the next morning, we got on the phone and we said, Nope, Nope. (laughs) going to that meeting. (laughs) And, um, You know, we had seen an increase in sales leading up to that, um, but certainly after that announcement, it just, that weekend was pretty crazy. Um, And I couldn't be more proud of our team. Um, The the way our employees have stepped up, uh, met the challenge uh, with a lot of um, compassion and consideration and respect to each other and uh, the customers. Um, it's been fantastic. It's been, I, I couldn't be more proud uh, of our organization, um, than at this time. I could tell you that in terms of communication to the employees, and you mentioned that one of the things that we did right from the get-go that I think was real important was we, we were very specific in our communication to employees regarding what our expectation was of them. And Essentially, what we said to them is, look, if for whatever reason you're immune compromised, you've got an underlying condition, or you just don't feel comfortable coming into work, you're not going to lose your job. And we made that absolutely clear to them right from the get-go. I didn't want anybody coming into work that was fearful. And I'm sure there were some people that even came into work that might have had some underlying fear, Um, but we didn't want to mandate somebody to come into work uh, with the threat of losing their employment because of that, and so we made that very clear to our workforce from the beginning. Um, the other thing that we did was we, we relaxed some of our paid time off policies, so that they weren't those that chose not to come into work weren't getting weren't experiencing a, a financial hit, and um, and we did a host of other things um, during the really busy times. Uh, people love to eat. <laughs> which is a good thing for my business. Do. Um, but we would supply our team members with a, a meal every day um, on specific dates uh, during, this, uh, during this pandemic. And I think they appreciated that and other things that we've done for them along the way. Um, just to, to make sure that... Oh, the one other thing that we promised them from the beginning is that we would, we would offer complete transparency. So if somebody was uh, sick, you know, we would let the team know. And, uh, I think again, that settled any concerns that they have had along the way that we're going to be absolutely, uh, truthful with them, completely transparent. And it just, uh brought a lot of trust back to the organization. We do a pulse survey of our team members monthly, uh, just to get an idea of what the morale is, uh, at the stores and, um, The uh, those scores have have risen during this pandemic, which again I'm really proud of and 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 grateful of.
0: Yeah, it's had a couple more things. Um, How how has hiring been? Have you guys had to ramp up? And obviously, Darren and I just talked about you know the stimulus packages and things like that. Has it been been difficult to get people back to to work with all this going on?
1: Well, yes, we've added. I bet you we've added uh, over 200 employees since the pandemic started. A lot of them are part time. Some of them are temporary. They've been furloughed or or are out of work for other reasons, and we brought them on. um, And and they've been great. Um, A lot of that has been dedicated to our online business, uh, which has seen, you know, seven, eight times growth during Mm -hmm. this period of time. Um, We have, uh, you know, we're still hiring, but that's slowed down quite a bit now. Uh, We're pretty much at uh, our hiring needs. but we've been able to find some really, really wonderful people during this period of time.
0: And Ted, you you mentioned online growth growing, you know, seven eight times. I'm guessing you guys weren't doing too much volume before this happened, and now that sh- that that shot up. You think you think aesthetics is you know you're you're going in there and shopping and getting that in person experience. How how do you see things down the road when this normalizes? Whether it is three months from now or six months from now or a year from now, we don't really know at this time, but do you see the grocery shopping experience changing forever because of this?
1: Well, I think there'll be some changes and there's things that we're going to have to think through. Um, You know, and I think uh, online, you know, the the online business is something that's going to be important. I think there's going to be some stickiness to it for some of our consumers that have tried it maybe forced to try it for the first time and they like it and they'll continue to repeat that service. I think from, from our perspective, we look at it as a natural extension of our business. Um, It's part of the way we go to market and we want to capture, we want customers uh, for life and uh, if they need a delivery or or they want a curbside pickup, we're going to offer that to them. And as well as the in-store experience um but i think you're going to see other things uh, particularly around uh health and wellness and safety uh one of the things that one of the actions uh, that we took almost immediately was to shut down our self-service hot bars and salad bars and <coughs> soup bars um you know we're going to have to rethink how we operate those in the future um to make sure that uh, not only is a com- is there comfort with customers using those um Self-serve stations. If we go back to self-serve, but that they are clean. I mean, it's not just the perception, but that they are clean, and that customers don't have to worry if they're using uh, a utensil at a salad bar or mm-hmm. a hot
0: bar. That makes sense. And then uh, before before I let you off, so I was looking at your background. Obviously, this is a uh, you know very prominent family business. You studied law. You got a law degree, and I think. You, you were a practicing lawyer for ten years. After that, if your LinkedIn profile is what I read it to be, um, did you always plan on joining the family business, or what? How did you come to that decision, and what's that been
1: like? No, you know, um, I'll tell you the um, I was really I, I uh, was real happy in the law practice. I did it for about ten years. I really didn't think that I was going to um, enter the family business. Uh, but then one day I got a call from uh, my father and he, uh, offered me, uh, an ownership in the business. And, uh, I thought, well, I can always be a lawyer, but, um, I might as well give this a shot. I was still pretty young, uh, in my mid thirties at the time and, uh, thought that, i uh, I do it. I haven't looked back. It's been really fun. I enjoy working with the public. I enjoy our, I really enjoy working with the people that I get to work with every day. And, uh, it's been a great privilege and a challenge to, uh, try to, uh, uh take over and run a, a third generation family business.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate having you. Yeah. All right. Our next guest, Dr. Brian Jarendale, he is the founder and CEO of the chiropractic company, which now has 17 locations in the Milwaukee area, started the company about 35 years ago from scratch. Brian, how are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So what what have things been like for you guys? What was your initial reaction? And have you have you had to, I'm guessing you guys have had to close doors because of this, are you in a essential businesses? People need your services for medical reasons. Well,
3: I like to look at it as pre-COVID, post-COVID.
0: All right. Tell me all about it. <laughs>
3: But in the last uh, probably three years, uh, chiropractic company has been growing about thirty uh, percent. Uh, so pre-COVID, uh, two weeks before, we were having issues uh, finding quality doctors, finding quality staff. Um, it was just a struggle to 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 get teams together because of uh, you know. Prior to this COVID, uh, unemployment was low. Um, Most doctors had, uh, chiropractors had jobs already and good jobs. So we were competing with uh, other chiropractors, our other chiropractic clinics. Um, Then I remember, just like our two other gentlemen here, um, it was uh, Wednesday, I think the same point in time after the, the basketball game. And literally overnight, um, because of the fear of COVID and the fear of dying and not knowing anything about it, it's not that like patients didn't need chiropractic care. Because um, the patients that we see have neck and back pain, it's not that those things went away. But the fear of death uh, over you know overshadowed uh, working on their health. Um, so we went from trying to find a staff to, I remember her with my team on a Saturday. It, It was one of the darkest days in my life. We literally had tiers of, uh, of our employees and had tier one, tier two, tier three and deciding, you know, tier one were the, were the people we need to furlough right away. And then depending on what happened the next week, there was a tier two. And then was, there was a tier three. So we went from, oh my God, we can't find people to what are we going to do with the people that we have? Um, I can remember, and I'll never forget, having to call and talk to every one of the uh, our employees who were being furloughed. This is something I never did before. Um, I didn't know how to tell them to, to do unemployment. Um, we didn't have to ever do that before. So it was something totally new to me. Um, chiropractic uh, care on the, on the medical side is an essential business. Uh, and chiropractic and neck and back pain, chiropractors are their only treatment regimen that was available to uh, uh, patients because orthopedic clinics had to shut down. Nobody would want to go to the hospital. Um, pain management centers were closed so if you had issues with your neck and back, you had one choice, and that was uh, coming to the chiropractor or doing nothing. And then we had to decide how are we going to keep our, us safe, our staff safe, the doctors safe, and then the patients, because we're a hands-on uh, type of treatment. Um, we aren't in their faces; we're on, on their backs, but uh, we're still you know, we're touching. And as the other two gentlemen, you know. Uh, said um everybody had this different feel and interpretation of covid we had people that come in and oh my god if if you didn't clean everything while they were watching uh they brought their own sanitizer in and and clean and then you had other people like why are you wearing a mask for um, Why do you need it? So you know everybody had a different perspective on how it is. So at one point I'm putting on my mask, and the other time I'm putting away my mask, and other times I'm washing down the table, and other times maybe not doing it as much because people just you know they're trying to appease almost everybody, and everybody had a different flavor and feel for the condition. So that being said, we got lucky. Um, uh, we got into the PPP program also. Um, we almost didn't, um, because the bank that we, that's been our bank for 15 years literally dropped the ball. And, um, I can remember on Easter, um, our bank was saying tomorrow we'll get the forms tomorrow. You can, you can get online. And, um, and I'm going, I don't think so. It sounds like this money's gonna, is going to be gone by the time we even get into the program. So one of my doctor's whose dad is um the uh, CEO of Johnson Bank i called him up on a sunday on easter and told him my predicament and he he didn't know me from adam um and he was willing to help me on a sunday uh we had all our ducks in a row we had all our paperwork ready to, to go we just couldn't get online to to get it to go and he did it for us so I'm giving a plug for Johnson
0: Bank because. Is that, uh, is that Jim, Jim Pop over there? Um, okay the, no. no. So, see, never mind. But anyway,
3: um, on that Tuesday, we got the PPP loan uh, verified. Um, we got the loan number. Um, and about through two weeks later, we got the money. So, uh, like everybody else, we brought back our people but we were cognizant we didn't want to you know we wanted to stay in the guidelines for of the ppo uh, requirements to forgive the loan but we just didn't want to spend the money foolishly either so you know we brought people the essential people back that we thought that were most important to keep our business going and it's amazing now in the last 2 weeks um it's like the switch is going the opposite way um it's been it was like a month before many of them had care and they just decided you know what I'm going back to the chiropractor. I really need my neck adjusted. I really need to do something about my back. So it's been kind of a whirlwind from, you know, being 50% down to kind of going back to where we were before.
0: What a roller coaster.
3: Yes. It's it's amazing um, just to be able to go through it. Like uh, everybody else is saying, you know, the character of your staff, the character of your doctors, your character of your team. Sometimes isn't shown when things are going great, and I, I can tell you before this we were just rocking it, and and to have this come down, we really got to see uh, who would really stepped up to the plate, and and I can say my team, um, Dr. Corsi and Dr. McLeod, um, the, the key people, Cindy, um, they all we all worked twenty four seven to make sure everything was working right, um, and then all my staff from. You know, from all the clinics, all the doctors, just really putting in the time and effort to make sure we gave patients the best care, um, kept our office clean, developed the protocols so when people came in, they know our places and offices were uh, safe. And it's been kind of fun um, to go through this. Hopefully, never have to go through something like this again, but we'll be better prepared.
0: Yeah, no kidding. What was it? So you so when when this hit and you had to furlough employees you called all of them personally and what what was that like just from a business owner's standpoint it seems like you've got to bring a lot of them back and things are on the uptick now but i can imagine how difficult that must have been some of these people you've probably worked with for years and years
3: um i don't cry very often and i literally cry. you know it 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 it, it these, these, uh, the staff, the doctors are my family. You know, I spend more time with them literally than my, 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 my family and they are my family. So to do something like this, but well, we had to, you know, it, it, it was, you know, we had to save our business. We didn't know, nobody knew we were going to get this PPV plan. It was all about cash flow, saving cash flow, make sure that you could ride the wave until, this would be over with. And we didn't even know when this could be over. It was going to be a day, a week, a month, six months, a year. Oh my God. Is It's just, it was the unknown. It's, it's, as CEO, it's, it's hard to run a company when we have so many unknowns. And, uh, once you, once you know what's happening, you can then figure out a plan to do it, but not having, you know, any foreshadowing, any insight in what was going to happen. It was literally a day to day uh, decision making process
0: yeah yeah i can I can imagine um and then before I let you off, has this changed your business model moving forward at all? Or are you guys going to do th- anything different in the future
3: um you know we as a company have always uh, uh grown without too much um um I'll call it banker help or loan money. We always kind of, when we bought clinics and acquired clinics, it was basically a cash-based business, you know. And and I, and I my other doctors, who are quite a bit younger than me, you know, always wanted to grow a little bit faster, a little bit quicker. Money is cheap. Uh, let's go uh, and, and take out some loans And because, you know, it, it's cheap. And I think they've realized that something like this can be you know, your life can be changed in a second and Mm -hmm. business can be running smoothly and in a second you could close. And um, I think they've appreciated the wisdom of this old guy here that, you know, it's better to grow grow slow and steady than uh, just uh, by the seat seat of your pants. And uh, because things are going good, because it, it may not just always go good
0: yeah absolutely well, thanks so much for coming on and i'm I'm glad to hear that you guys are back on the uptick and doing well right now thanks and also a big thank you to darren and ted for joining us today and just a reminder to everyone listening this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at on milwaukee and ggmm.io go get it marketing and media and if you got anything out of this episode or have been getting value out of this series of episodes please take 30 seconds pause write a review wherever you're listening to the show and subscribe that is what helps us out thanks again we'll see you next time